When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to the Underdog Dynasty Podcast AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good. How are you? You know, I'm living the dream. It's a beautiful Sunday <laughs> night. I know, my bad. We usually record, or we try and record Sundays, but I just flew back in from my wild weekend, so we're making it work. You know, it, it, it's fine. I had a long Saturday <laughs> night too. It was, it wasn't good. Um, it's all good. That's awesome. It, it happens. You know, you guys. You know, I was gonna say you gotta stay up late to watch USFBYU, but that would have been a lie. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get to even no, after. I, yeah, no. I saw maybe five minutes of because so I was at the Maryland game and it was a three thirty kick, but it still managed to somehow end at like seven thirty, and so we drove from Maryland to New York City oh. um, to surprise yeah to surprise my sister for her birthday. So I was in the car writing my recap and like doing work, and then I was like, oh my god, I can maybe check in on some games, and all I got was the last five minutes of Tulane UAB, which to be fair was a crazy five minutes, but yeah. If you could only get five minutes, it was not a bad five to choose. Yeah. It was wild. I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to do it. I, yeah, I went back. I, you know, I watched a lot of the games on Sundays. What ended up happening for me because yeah, it's what happens when you get caught up in other things and yeah, Tulane game. It's frustrating because I do think that they're, better than they showed it just you know and we'll talk about more a little bit when we actually get to the game but like yeah man, you, you can't start down, losing 21 nothing unless you're the utsa roadrunners apparently you know <laughs> yeah. Like um <laughs> yeah there was actually a bunch of games that started 21 nothing for this conference this week like out of eight games i think three started like that that's a weird wow. thing. yeah yeah, that is. Memphis, uh, then USF BYU started 21 nothing too. Wow. That's a, yeah, weird, weird little numbers game that we're playing. It was a weird weekend across college football in it was, general. It was, so. Yeah, it was very nearly that kind of blood, uh, bloodbath week where you get all the top teams losing if, like, one other top team lost. Like, Oregon let Arizona hang around for a bit. So if something like that happened, it would have been really, yeah. really crazy. But as it stands now, yeah, like Clemson lost, and I, I honestly don't know that they deserve to be in the top 25. Their yeah. offense is atrocious. Their defense is still elite, but their offense is atrocious. Yeah. Uh, you know, UNC lost. They never really deserved to be in the top 25. Uh, did Virginia Tech lose again? Being mean to the NCC here, only t- talking about them, but because a lot of other teams lost too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A&M went down, which... I saw it coming, but you know, 
that's what happens. You got a bad backup quarterback in. Uh, we're we're <laughs> talking about the American, though, not random other games. <laughs> that was my, yeah. my transition into our next stage. Uh, we're going to start with what I thought was one of the more fun games of the weekend overall. Uh, Battle for the Iron Skillet, SMU 42, TCU 34. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this was going head to head with the Notre Dame Wisconsin game. If you're looking for a contrast in styles in terms of what football can be, uh, mm-hmm. this one was explosive in every way that was good and bad. I thought, you know, SMU was able to throw for, you know, big time yardage on their side of the ball, but also for three interceptions on the other side of the ball, <laughs> a lot more yardage, a little bit cleaner on the turnover department uh, for TCU, but SMU had a running game going that, the Horned Frog said no way to stop at, at some points. Uh, so, yeah. What did you think of that one? I, the biggest thing that stuck with me, I mean, aside from the game was the video that went viral um, before where I guess, I don't know. I couldn't, it was hard to tell like which team was trying to plant the flag. Oh, that, but I, I want was SMU. Because the, it was SMU. Yeah. It was at TCU. SMU was planting their flag. That's right. So they were trying to put the flag in the in the middle of the field, and then it kind of caused the skirmish. Um, yeah, they don't. And I love to see that for a rivalry game because it shows, like you know, they're fired up. I think that was like when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a good game." No, you know, those two legitimately really don't like each other, and I don't. Yeah, because it hasn't been a conference game for like well over two decades now probably closer mm-hmm. to three since the Southwestern conference collapsed. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I think people forget about it. You know, people go, what are the best, you know, non-conference rivalries? You know, a lot of Notre Dame games get thrown out there. Army Navy gets thrown out there. This one's right up there in terms of how much, yeah. they other. you know, they share a key recruiting area, which, you know, as the big 12 kind of regresses and the AAC, you know, you hope the AC stays where they're at now. Uh, it's going to be much tighter between those two as they try to, you know, basically recruit the same Dallas guys to each other. So yeah, there's a lot of dislike between the two of them. There was a, a comment from, I think it was Reggie Roberson uh, before the game about how no one comes to Texas for Fort Worth. Everyone comes for Dallas. Oh my God. Yeah. That was hilarious. I know TCU fans were taking that very personally, but it's also completely yeah. First off, I don't think people go to Texas for either one of those places, to be honest. I think people go to Texas, like, if you're visiting, you're going to, like, Austin, San Antonio, maybe Houston, but, like, you're not going. The funny thing is I go to Texas for Fort Worth. I love Fort Worth. Uh, In all fairness, I've never been to Fort Worth, but, you know, no, but I'm an East Coast guy, like, and everyone I know who, like, talks about, like, oh, I'm going to take a trip to Texas. That whole area is just not on the list. You know what I mean? That's so funny because Dallas is like one of the biggest hubs. So like, even if you're not going there, there's a chance you've been through there. Yeah. Um, People are always, and they post a lot of games. Like people go to Jerry world. Like, I mean, there's a lot to do and I like Dallas, but I think Fort Worth is more fun. Like it's, it's a little less bougie and like upscale, like snooty. So Dallas is definitely like a big city. I just, I think when people Mm -hmm. are planning out their trips, to Texas, they're just eh, neither one of them makes less. 
That's <laughs> far from the point, though. I would have to find some. I would have to find some evidence to prove that because I, I think Dallas is like the number one city people go to. But well, people <laughs> in, my, in my circles, personal experiences is I've got no city statistics in front. Of me. <laughs> we should look up the most visited cities in Dallas. That would be a good. I, I think it's Austin. I, I would bet Austin. I would have to say it's Austin, but I hate Austin. Yeah, I hate it. That, I think on the last podcast, it's not. I will. I will probably say it on every podcast. I just. It's not. It's it's such a hipster like little city, and it reminds me of Berkeley. I don't want to go on a walking street art tour. Sorry, not for me. Well, <laughs> but but kudos to them. <laughs> exactly, I, I've been to most places in Texas, and um, I think it just depends on what you're looking for. So, oh, um, yeah. but yeah. it was good to see SMU win the game. I I thought TCU's head coach Gary Patterson had the quote of the day afterwards, saying, "I thought SMU wanted it more. I told them when somebody hates you, you have to change your frame of mind. They hate us. It's simple." He even said that SMU wanted it more afterwards. Um, so I think he's that's- had some he's had some quotes in the past couple of weeks. Like this- <laughs> Yeah. That, you know, came out where he was at the, uh, uh, you know, some boosters dinner and talked about how they should just start paying players. So like 20 guys are probably going to leave the program. He's, he's a wild card. People don't realize Gary Patterson's a little bit of a wild card. I, I mean, don't care. He, he stays at TCU until he wants to, but mm-hmm. yeah, but man, he's kind of a crazy person. Good old GP. Maybe this is the time that SMU will start getting some respect after this game, given that this is their third consecutive 4-0 start under Dykes. They're, they're halfway to 8-0. They're starting to receive votes, but they're, you know, I, I they play USF next week. They're going to be 5-0. But the, right, like, which is... They're still not going to be ranked after that unless complete and disaster happens in the rankings and, like, including teams receiving votes ahead of them. It's going to, like, they'll probably be, like, 6 or 7-0 and before they get any ranking, which is a shame because they are a team, at least offensively, that deserves to be ranked. I still have questions, but, yeah. but I've had questions about the defense for years now. And that doesn't mean, you know, if they finish the season 10 and two and two losses, cause their defense failed them a couple of times, that's still a top 25 team, you know? Yeah. Like, and you know, what's funny though, if TCU had won, they would have entered the top 25 most likely a hundred percent. And it's crazy. It's like, no, SMU is not going to get the votes it needs yet. I mean, like what if you renamed SMU Oklahoma state this year, what would they be ranked right now? Like 12th? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the way it is. Like, the reason Oklahoma State isn't higher is because their offense is atrocious. But, like, if they were in the Big 12 and were playing, like, a Big 12 school, which they're in the American playing, like, a Big 12 school traditionally does. Yeah. You know, they don't get that kind of respect in the rankings. You know, it just is what it is. But it's also, you know, kind of bull crap. Yeah. Uh, Well, it'll drive them, I'm sure. And they'll play with a chip on their shoulder. So it's going to keep going well for them. It also just sucks, though, because when we get at the end of the year and we're doing, oh, you know, blind resume rankings, you know, you're going to go Cincinnati's not going to have those wins and they're going to, you know, find a way to put, you know, uh, some team that didn't win their conference into the playoff ahead of them. You you can see it. I can almost guarantee right now that Georgia and Alabama are both in the playoff this year. Which sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ohio State or whoever wins the Big Ten, Ohio State might not be, but they're in the playoff this year. It's, you know, there's going to be a way since I kept out. And part of it's going to be a team like SMU doesn't get ranked, though they deserve to be. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's all there is to it. Um, but yeah, I think if I'm SMU, I want to clean up the turnovers. This is the second game where Mordecai's had kind of a ton of interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, you know, he had a bunch uh, early in the year. I think it was. Who was that against? Was it against North Texas where he threw like four interceptions or something like that? 
he had a lot in one of those games. Yeah. Uh, so clean that up. Definitely good to see uh, Bentley running well again. You know, keep rolling. Go ponies. Uh, mm-hmm. Our next game's Temple 41, Wagner 7. Uh, slow start for Temple in this game. They obviously turned it on towards the end of the game. Really depressing to see how empty the stadium was, but it's to be expected, you know, given yeah. who the opponent was and the level of excitement around them right now. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did think was interesting, Dewan Mathis healthy again. He got the start. He got most of the playing time over uh, Lynch at quarterback. And I'm not sure how we feel about that. So I was going to start there. Who should be the quarterback? <laughs> I didn't, again, I didn't get to see any of this game, unfortunately. So I'm, if I'm just basing it off numbers, it's like, it didn't seem like that bad of a decision, but it was Wagner is my one thing with that. So I don't, yeah. I don't know how much we can derive from has temple grown in one way or the other from it because they're a bad FCS school is the way I'll, yeah. I'll put it. At least they got the reps in though. And were able to yeah. put up for I mean, if they had been any less than 40, I would be like, this is still problematic, but at least they're getting the points on the board. They're figuring it out on the field. Um, they, they needed a game like this. Yeah. They, they did make oh. game adjustments because it was, like I mentioned, a slow start. I can't I hate that for them. We want them to have a fast start just once. Yeah, I think at the end of the first quarter, they were, it was either tied 7-7 or they were down 7-0, to zero, and they were down 7-0 for a while during this game. Uh, so I don't remember if they had gotten that corrected before the quarter was done or not off the top of my head. Um, but no, I thought that because I, you know, I watched the Temple BC game fairly closely. Uh, mm-hmm. BC, by the way, is a very good team and there's no shame. In yeah. They just, you know, they beat Missouri this week. They're four. No, there's other than Wake Forest, the ACC's big hope for, for the playoff, <laughs> which is funny to say out loud. Um, yeah. But uh, no, and you were always going to struggle against them. Jeff Halfley's a defensive coach. He's a very good defensive mind. And that, you know, it's just what that strength of the team is, especially now that Jerkovic is out. I thought they were using, with that being said, I thought they used Lynch pretty incorrectly throughout that game. I thought, you know, you look at him, he's a kid who can run pretty well, same as Mathis, mind you, uh, mm-hmm. who can run pretty well. But they kept him in the pocket and put him into these drops that just you could tell he was a freshman and wasn't super comfortable making just yet. Uh, and the design run plays were often right up the middle into the teeth of the defense. Like it was a quarterback draw play rather than like a read option. I just thought they weren't quite using him correctly. I would have rolled him out, you know, given a couple of quick slants to throw in rollouts, things like that. You have a chance mm-hmm. to be outside of those big, you know, defenders. And, you know, I, so I don't know that they're using him correctly. He wasn't terrible though. He was efficient, not a ton of explosiveness there. Uh, but that's the same as Mathis. It's not like Mathis, um, you know, Mathis was terrible against Rutgers, but, you know, before he got injured, but right. he was also getting hit every single play. So it, I think I'd have it be an open competition, to be honest with you at this point in a month into the season, that's not good, but I don't see a ton of separation between the two. Interesting. I don't know. It seems like they're going to stick with Mathis. So that, that, yeah, he was named the starter, you know, to start the season. So, He's healthy now, I guess, you know, he's the guy. I just mm-hmm. was wondering if you had any qualms about that because I don't know that I'm hundred percent sold on him. I don't have, I have no reason at this point to not be sold or to be upset because I'm not sold on the team in general. Well, that's they fair. haven't, they haven't I'm, put together anything that you can be sold on. So yeah. I'm unsold yeah. on the offensive line, um, mm-hmm. you know, 
the two and two record, I think is a little bit misleading because Akron is one of the five worst teams at the FBS level mm-hmm. and Wagner's not a good FCS school. So I do think that that's just, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a little yeah. bit misleading. If they had played say, you know, Buffalo and Villanova, would they be two and two? Probably not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just different Mac team, different FCS team. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see what they look like in conference play, you know, just technically, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this a lot. This conference play is starting up in a bigger way next week. Mm-hmm. Everything's, everything's in front of you. If you're temple, you have yeah. all your goals still. You haven't lost a conference game yet. It's true. You know, so go out there and, you know, beat Memphis next week. <laughs> you know, yeah. And speaking of Memphis, uh, UTSA 31, Memphis 28, the road runners on a last second field goal to win the game. Memphis blew a 21, nothing lead. Uh, I've got a couple concerns about the Memphis offense, to be honest with you. They really mm-hmm. only scored 20. Which is a stark contrast to your usual concern with the defense. So that's interesting. I've got, I'll, I'll say something about the defense. In a second. <laughs> Which it, it's not a super concern. It was just an interesting, like way the game went. No, but um, usually you're concerned about their defense. So this is, mm-hmm. uh, this is a nice change. It's a okay. welcome change. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to you. Like, yeah. So Memphis was like under a hundred yards rushing in this game. Mm. That's not, I'm, you know, I'm doing the math off the top of my head, like looking at the box score. I know they didn't have, they, this is a program that was built on a really good spread running attack. Mm -hmm. uh, And they don't seem to have any right, right now. Like it comes and fits in bursts, but they don't consistently have it. Let me double check that. Yeah, without getting too bad into my math skills, 73 plus 11 equals 84, plus 4 equals 88 minus 10 for the sack yardage. Yeah, not great. Um, you know, that's something that's going to cost you games, especially like this when you have the lead and you don't have that ability to run the ball. Uh, and then the passing game, only three players caught passes in this game. Hennigan only completed 15 passes yeah 15 for 20 that's crazy 15 for 25 but they, that's not enough completed passes three players it was six to dykes the tight end six to austin mm-hmm. who's obviously maybe the best receiver in the conference yeah and then three to thomas the running back and yeah. to be fair they're all they're all going over 100 yards so they're both 167 142 respectively which okay but and i'll, and I'll say this too he averaged and again averaged 13.16 yards per temp which is really, really awesome. Yeah. But when but you it's, have like two guys who you trust to throw the ball to first, yeah. that's a very freshman thing to have just like a guy or two that you trust. Yeah. That you, that you time. lock in on. Uh-huh. But Absolutely. When you, when you don't have that running game to balance out your passing attack, when you get to play a Cincinnati, for instance, well, they're going to take away uh, Austin with relative, not, I'm not going to say ease because Austin is awesome, but they're going to have the guys to take him away. Whereas UTSA doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to, you know, probably have the type of pressure on your quarterback where you need to either chip with a tight end or chip with a running back. So you're losing one of those guys in the route. Most plays mm-hmm. but that's not a recipe for offensive success against a good defensive team. And, you know, I think that's something that you need to take a look at is the game against Mississippi state. I know sec school, sec defense, they weren't exactly explosive on offense or great on offense in that game. They got points off special teams. They got points off the defense, you know, which is great. You love to be able to get those points, but you really can't rely on them either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and my other thing is uh, UTSA ran sincere McCormick 42 times in this game. Yeah. And you could tell that it just, 
it just worked. You know, I mean, I obviously he's incredible. He had three touchdowns, you know, pushed for 200 yards, but like the run defense just kept getting battered. And, you know, in a way Memphis got out physical, you know, which Mm -hmm. I was surprised by, to be honest. I had heard that UTSA was like that very physical, very athletic team. Um, They kind of come at you scrappy. They punch you in the mouth and that's how they have been getting through these games and winning. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously Memphis knew that going in the scouting reports were what they were, but it's almost like with, with a team like that, you can prepare as much as you want for it, but it's still going to catch you on your heels a little bit because of the physicality. So mm-hmm. even if you know you're going to get punched in the face, it's still going to knock you down. You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. um, you hate to see it though. You hate to see anybody blow a 21 point lead. That's rough. Yeah, was- but I do love the field, the winning field goal because kickers are people too. So mm. no, they're not. <laughs> Tell that to the guy who kicked this winning field goal. Not to get too off the track, but did you see the end of the Ravens-Lions game? I did not. Justin Tucker from 66 yards out to win it. Off the, uh, That's awesome. Off the crossbar and through. And That's amazing. It should have been from 71 because there was a 100% delay of game they didn't call. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lions fans weren't thrilled with it. but So is that the record now for NFL? Because it used to be... Janikowski had it for a while from Matt 60. Pra- Matt Prater, who attended a mm-hmm. school in Orlando. I don't know who they are. He had the record <laughs> most recently. Uh, nice. I think 64, 65 yards. Okay. Well, so Janikowski had it at 63, so he must have had it right before him. Well, Prater played in Denver for a while, so I think mm-hmm. he broke it in altitude, if mm. I'm not mistaken. Uh, <laughs> Matt Prater. I pray to you, Matt Prater. <laughs> God. Uh God, we need All right. To- well, we neither of us uh, won that one because we both picked Memphis. So yeah. shame on us. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we we were okay for picks this week, but that was not one of the good ones. No, that was not. No. Uh, Tulsa forty-one, Arkansas State thirty-four. Mm-hmm. Needed that. They Tulsa. <laughs> yeah, they did. Needed that before conference play gets going. You didn't want to go in zero and four, especially if you're trying to realistically make a bowl game. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. oh and four is really tough to come back from, especially if you're you'd like to say mid-tier team in the conference for Tulsa because of what they were last year, but the trend over the past five years has been bottom of the conference more than it's been mid-tier of the conference. But they're kind of in that zone. Either way, you need you need yeah. out of conference games if you're trying to get to six if you're them. Uh, I think Arkansas first win of the season for Tulsa. We're excited. We are excited. I think Arkansas State's defense is really, really bad. Is something. That- oh yeah, any and they put up six hundred and sixty-three yards of offense on them. I mean, but, so- like you actually you have to actively try to not stop people to give them six hundred almost seven hundred yards. That's insane. It's true. I was trying, kind of trying to qualify me saying it was really, really nice to see Tulsa play a, a complete game on offense instead of having one. Unit. It is. I mean, it's still good to see them do that, but like, you know, holy hell, like Arkansas State is not who I, I mean, I knew they were like bad on defense, but I didn't know they were that I, bad. But so, yeah, like going through because I, I've been thinking about Arkansas State football way too much this year. Like, mm-hmm. go back to the Memphis game, they let up 55 points. I kind of just thought Memphis was good on offense. Unless yeah. Like, yeah. I kind of don't think they're as good as I thought they were now yeah uh yeah then they went to washington who i know is bad on offense 
and they let Washington put up 50 plus points on them. I said, Oh, that might just be Arkansas state's like big issue. And now a Tulsa team that really hasn't had a ton going on offense this year or any year in the Philip Montgomery era, Uh uh, puts up 41. So I, again, I'm going to use that as a qualifier to say, but the offense did a really good job balancing the attack. Uh, Davis Brent, 355 yards, two mm-hmm. running backs. Uh, Shamari Brooks and Anthony Watkins both went over 100 yards. That's, hey, if you can do that, you'll win most games. Yeah. You can't do that necessarily all the time, but yeah, like finding that kind of balance where it's not only one or the other's working is so big for them. Uh, you know, Arkansas State does have a pretty decent offense. You know, again, we saw them against Memphis put up 50 of their own points. I'm still not convinced on the Tulsa defense. I'm just not sure how unconvinced I should be about them. Yeah, I, I think for me, Tulsa is a huge mystery of a program. I, I kind of sit there where like, you know, because yeah. state loss was to be expected. The Oklahoma state loss, like Oklahoma state's four and but they're not an impressive four and So it's hard to, again, it's hard to kind of peg where did, how like bad of a loss was that? And the yeah. Davis loss is unacceptable, but like, you know, a lot. It, 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 it happens in week it one. Sometimes. It, it does happen. Yeah. It shouldn't, but it does. You know, and then again, at what point are you just what your record says you are? It's really, I know we're, this is a small sample size sport. Yeah. But we're we'll have to see. We can't claim a, a small sample size anymore, like at least relative to yeah. the season. It'll be interesting to see as they go into conference how they're going to navigate. But at least this will give them a little bit of confidence and, you know, like, okay, we did this. We put up these numbers. It doesn't matter that it was a bad team. We were still able to execute. So we'll see moving forward. Um, I don't know. They bit off some major yardage on plays. The 88-yard catch and run, Mm -hmm. Sam Crawford Jr., that was like my favorite little highlight of the game. So Yeah, no, they absolutely like showed that they at least have the ability to do it, you know, Again, how much of that was Arkansas? Did Stephen not be able to stop it? At least they have the ability to do it in a, against a team that you should be able to do it against, right? I think exactly. we're going to be positive like that. <laughs> yes. I'll be very interested to watch them play Houston next week because I'm not yes. sure on Houston at all either, and we'll talk about them in a minute. But first, really quickly, ECU 31, Charleston Southern 28. Please play mm-hmm. 60 minutes, ECU. Please don't let Charleston Southern <laughs> kind of come back into the game in the fourth quarter. It's not funny. It's not cute. It's just annoying. <laughs> I really think that you can be better than you are if you just play 60 minutes each week. You know, I they seem to be missing that first quarter and that last quarter. quarter. Like the middle the, seems all right. One or the other <laughs> they don't have. They either like dig a hole or they just give up or like fall apart. It's so, yeah. You know, I'd lie to you if I told you I paid close attention to this game because it right. was the FCS game of the week or not one of two FCS games, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just, that is that simple. You just need to play 60 minutes. You didn't play 60 yeah. against South Carolina, a game you should have won, but you couldn't get one side of the ball to play that day. You know, against Marshall, you did not play in the first half essentially, but you played so well in the second half that you came back and won that game. Yeah. Uh, App State, it was a very slow start. You know what I mean? Like, and you kind of like figured it out a little bit, but, you know, but two and two at the same time is exactly where I, I thought they needed to be coming out of, uh, out of conference play. Yeah. So I think they're in good position to make a bowl game. I just, if they were consistent throughout the game, I think they could really scare the good teams in this conference. Maybe not beat them, but scare them. 
They were, they were really undisciplined, which is something that, you know, Mike Houston is very frustrated with. He can tolerate a lot of things, but undisciplined play is not one of them. They had nine penalties for 108 yards, um, costly penalties, not just like, you know, oh, that's not really a game changer, but costly penalties. Mm -hmm. And Houston, after the game, expressed his frustration. And and he's never had teams that – have had post snap penalties like that. And so I think he, I think you're going to see him put an emphasis in that. I hope so too, because penalties are the dumbest way to get yourself out of rhythm on offense. And, you know, I've talked about Holton Aylers a lot, uh, but putting him in in like a third and distance situation is not a good idea. You know Mm -hmm. I mean? He, he is a guy who needs to stay on, you know, what would you call it? He needs to be on pace and on progress. It's not the line. Mm-hmm. That's not the word I was thinking of, but it, you know, I don't want to sit here and just like think for 30 seconds about the word that's escaping me. Uh, you know, it's a really ridiculous stat from this game. Charleston Southern 34 first downs ECU 14. <laughs> uh, also your third down efficiency, which I know you put a lot of stock in. ECU was, I, I ECU was two for 12. It's not great. No. And again, I kind of put it a lot of that on your quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got to be able to get the ball where it needs to go. Uh, But again, if you get put in third and 15 because of holding penalty or, you know, well, that's not great either. You know, that puts you in that position where you're having to play in an uncomfortable way, even against the Charleston. So the stat I love to see in that game first blocked field goal in 54 games for the pirates. And it was, um, which, which you love to see Malik Fleming. Um, he, he gets the block on that one. And, and, and Charleston Southern, that was one of three missed field goals for them. Hate to see that, but you love to see ECU getting after the ball and getting their first blocked field goal in 54 games. Absolutely. So that's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. No, go get that. Uh, our first conference game of the year was yes. Houston 28, Navy 20. Looked like it was going to be interesting. You know, I think I even texted you like. (laughs) What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was, I think it was interesting because we have talked, I don't want to say ad nauseum, but we've talked a lot about how messed up Navy is internally right now, especially Mm -hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. And like the first drive of the game, they kind of ran right down Houston's throat. Yeah. That's how they had, I mean, honestly, there was really no other way for them to come out except like that with everything going on with everything. Like you have to at least try. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Go make a statement. I really do like Mm -hmm. Xavier Arline, the Navy quarterback. Yeah. He's a true sophomore. As I say, true sophomore, everyone at the Naval Academy is a true, whatever they are. They don't do retro. Right. Uh, You know, but his 40 yard touchdown run was impressive. He's incredibly athletic. Yeah, he really is. I think he's a he can run that option. I just think he's still really learning the system and like getting to yeah. that third option, the pitch man. They're not doing a good job getting to the pitch man still. And I think once our line figures that out and the offensive line blocks the edges just a little bit better. And, you know, there's part of the issue is that there's always two guys on the edge waiting for them, which yeah. you can't have if you're Navy. The point of the option is that there's only one guy out there and you make, yeah. make a decision. You can't have two guys there so that you have no correct choice. Uh, my, my issue with Navy was special teams was wise punt returns. I mean, Jesus. That, that comes down to the How? athleticism. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. No, you know what I mean? It was rough to watch. It, it's very dangerous for Navy to outkick the coverage. You know what I mean? 
And when you outkick your coverage at Navy, you, especially against a team like Houston, which might not be as good as they could be, but they always have athletes mm -hmm. in space. It's tough because your guys really aren't FBS caliber athletes. I, I, again, I hate saying that, but like Navy just recruits different people than everyone else. It's just the reality of it. You know what I mean? These guys yeah. go to Navy. They probably couldn't play FBS football if it was anywhere but an academy. And that's fine because they're going to Navy for something a little bit different than you would go of course. to say ECU or Houston for. It's a different, yeah. you know, it's a different thing. Uh, but when you outkick your coverage in your Navy, it means you're going to have lesser athletes who are smaller than the other team trying to make tackles in mm -hmm. space and bad things can happen. And bad things, yeah. happen. bad things did happen against Houston. They did. Which Houston really needed because their offense looked terrible, especially in the first yeah. half of that game. That first half offense didn't score a point because it was a punt return for touchdown that they got their points in the first <laughs> half. Um, it was really, really bad for Houston's offense. I know I mentioned Tune got a kind of a little hamstring thing against Grambling last week. That could have affected some of it, but there's just no explosiveness from this Houston offense. It can matriculate sometimes, but it doesn't have the explosiveness it needs to be effective. And I think you know, three and one's really good. And you start out one and own conference and that's great. And it's not a super difficult schedule coming up, but you really, really need to be able to be explosive in this conference or you will just, you won't yeah. score enough. You play ECU and I have my complaints about ECU, but they are a team that's designed to score points, play Tulane and they have had their issues this early season, but they can usually score points, you know? Yeah. You go out there and you only get 28 points in the game. You're going to lose a lot of those games in this conference just how it is yeah uh your thoughts because i talked a lot yeah i no i i agree everything you said i mean it's i i liked seeing navy coming out swinging it made me happy to see that because i obviously picked them in the game and for a second i was feeling pretty good about it like maybe they're gonna do this but obviously houston <clears throat> pulling it out just not if we had to base the conference playoff of this game i am worried you know uh, yeah, I don't, exactly. But I, like, I do like if that's going to define the AAC, and I know it's not going to. But if it if it did, because you want the teams in the bottom and the middle to be able to compete with the teams at the top. We already know Cincy is up at the top there, and they're doing their thing, beating big teams. Um, yeah, you want, but that game was rough. Yeah, you want more than just SMU to be able to compete. Yeah, that year, you know, you yeah. compete with them too. You know. Memphis, maybe, so, you know, you want more than that. I get that completely. And maybe yeah. I do my little conference power rankings for the site and uh, I've got them at the worst team in the conference. I don't think that's unfair right now, given what they've put right. up. Uh, I will give one aside. I kind of hope Ivan Jasper gets hired by Georgia Southern now that they're out of coach. Um, I think I don't even, I can't even talk about that. I'm so upset about Chad Lunsford being fired for a one in three start. I'm sorry. Are there not teams that are 0 and 4 right now or 0 and 3 that have yet to win a game? It's, well, we're, do you remember last year? That name is beloved in that area and by that team. I, I think the standards at Georgia Southern aren't quite with the reality of where Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern is at this point, is, kind, is the issue, to be honest. I think that it's a team that got very used to being a great FCS school. You know what I mean? Like they are in the playoff every year for the FCS level. And they made the transition. They were pretty good the first few years after the transition. They, you know, Willie Fritz was their coach for a while. And I just think the expectations are higher. And I think they see what coastal Carolina is doing with 
not the same, but a similar offense. And they want to be that. I think they're, uh, but four games. No, I agree. <laughs> it's like 28 and 21 overall at Georgia Southern. Like, you know, and I like, I like Georgia Southern. I like, you know, Lunsford. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to like, I don't know that expectations match reality. Like I'm not saying it's like Nebraska, but kind of a smaller scale that like, what do we expect our coaches to be like? Well, we I literally saw that news and I was like, this is ridiculous. And I'm not going to lie. I think it is very interestingly timed to the fact that my buddy, Gavin Adcock, who is on my podcast was caught on top of the school bus I, oh, yeah. drinking a beer that was thrown to him. I'm not saying that, that's obviously not Lunsford's fault, but you do have to hold the head coach accountable for the behavior of the players. And Gavin has now been placed on indefinite, you know, suspension. And yeah. Do I think that those things are related? Yeah. I do think there's a correlation between that happening and then Lunsford being fired. Yeah. Just the look after a loss isn't good. And I think that that's definitely probably part of it is they don't want that. Like, Oh, we don't care. We're just like a party school to have fun at. You know what I mean? Which then I'm like, why? This is the last thing I'll say, but their social media begs to differ because they try and do like what Coastal does where be very like, you know, fun on social and and this is a party and like pushing all that stuff. Then you can't be upset when your players are actually living that life that you have created on social media. Do I condone his behavior? A hundred percent not. He could have died. It's very scary to see that. Um, While it was actually impressive that he caught the beer while standing on top of the moving bus and then chugging it. Yeah, that's impressive, but it's dangerous and it's not okay. But don't pretend that like, that's not what you're putting out into the world as your image, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's what bothered me. I mean, you know what GATA stands for, right? Yes. Get after their asses. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like it, it is the whole kind of like personality down there. Yes. And Again, we're completely derailed from AAT talk right now. That's fine. I feel like this needed to be addressed. It's upsetting. It's upsetting to me, and it's indicative of a bigger problem in college football, like you said, where there's unrealistic expectations and too rash decision-making when you don't see those met. Yeah. Well, yeah, Southern misfired their coach in 2020 during the pandemic mm-hmm. after one game. You yeah. USC just fired their coach after two. They were looking now. Granted, that should have no reason though. That should have happened a while ago though. So what are you doing waiting two games into the season? Like we all knew it was coming. Like there's doesn't make any sense. Waiting for the aesthetics to be correct, I guess. I don't know. I'm like, there's never a good time to do this. So be better, college athletic departments. Well, yeah, we're seeing tons of firings earlier and earlier. And my point was I just think. I, the Ivan Jasper situation at Navy. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, it's upsetting right now. And I, like I said before, I have a ton of respect for him as a coach mm-hmm. uh, and just as a person, I'd love to see him get a chance at Georgia Southern, which is a place he coached at under Paul Johnson. And if Georgia Southern wants to stick with the triple, I think he'd be a great option. He might be a little bit more retro triple than they want to be. Mm-hmm. I've also heard the rumor that the current athletic director, not the donors, not the fans, not the culture, but mm-hmm. the, athletic director wants to move away from the triple and towards a, you know, more modern scheme. Wow. That'll be like the end of an era. <laughs> they tried to do it a couple of years, like before mm-hmm. Lunsford got there and it failed and they ran, oh God, I can't remember the coach's name, uh, they, but they ran the coach out of town completely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, and if they do this and it fails, they'll run both him and the athletic director out of town. You know, they love, uh-huh. the, they love the triple there. Uh, yeah. So I think Ivan Jesper makes sense as a hire. He needs a fresh start. They need a fresh start in 
I think it clicks. If the rumor, again, rumor, I heard it's true. Mm-hmm. That's not the direction they're going to go, but I just wanted to throw it out there. Uh, we'll move on, get back to, we'll stop. Yeah, two games left. We're cruising today. I know we are shorter. Out of us. It's a shorter schedule because we had a conference game in a couple of bye weeks. Uh, UAB 28, Tulane 21. Hard to win a game when you start loot by uh, losing 21 nothing midway through the second quarter. I don't understand it. Like, I, And I didn't see it, to be fair, but I, I don't understand that at all. They kind of came out just, I don't want to say sleepwalking, but they did not come out where they, they're focused. How do you not come out fired up for that? You're home in your environment. Like you're excited to be back. Like The only thing I can think of is just the amount of travel and change and you're just distracted. That's the only thing I can think of. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses for it. I'm just, no, I know. I, I know. I just, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to me that that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Now it did make for a fun second half, but yeah, because I do believe Tulane's offense is capable of putting up much yeah. more than we saw against UAB or against Ole Miss. But I'm telling you that it is Pratt. It's Pratt. Like I'm he, today. He is a good quarterback, but he makes terrible decisions. Yeah. And he looks, it's like quicksand. Like he'll start to do it and then he can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, I don't understand it because you see him make these great plays and these great throws and you're like, okay, that's the guy. But then it's just so um, irregular and inconsistent. What is that? You know what I think? I think Michael Pratt, sure, Holt Nailers. <laughs> the crazy thing is like i really i like him and all of the players really like him you know i talked to the guys on the team and they really really like him but i'm honestly like are you not frustrated with the fact that this man like on that last drive where they could have won the game mm-hmm. he literally made the worst choices how do you not get upset with somebody like that that foils you like that no, and I, and I get what you're saying. You know, you go back to the Oklahoma game this season, and if he didn't fumble mm-hmm. three times in one quarter, they probably win that game. They do. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, At what point are we going? Are they going to stop making the excuses for him? Yeah, you know, he had you know what I mean. in this game, he had yeah. At the end, it wasn't. It wasn't great. I think the thing with Pratt is he is still a very young quarterback. I'll say what I said with Xavier Arline. He's a true sophomore. Mm-hmm. Last year was a weird year in terms of getting everything going. It's a new offensive system. I think. In a lot of ways, he's still learning, you know, Chip Long's new system. And I think I think he does have an issue of letting one bad play compound into a series of bad plays. And a, you know, mistake. Yeah. I, yes. When he gets into a flow, he's excellent. But when he gets out right. of that flow, I think he's got a lot of trouble getting back into it and, you know, stopping the downward or the downstream motion that he lets himself get into. And I think I'm going to say it again, too. When they don't use tight end play in series, they do not do very well. Will Wallace had a touchdown for Tulane, mm-hmm. you know, and then in the, and you look at the end, like the last two minutes when they're driving to get back in the game, you know, they, they huge blocks, huge catches by the tight ends incorporated in the offense on those drives that got them into the game. And then you go into that last drive where they could win it, not a tight end in sight. And, and Tyree James, I guess, was in for one, but he drops a pass. Yeah. So, I think they're at their best when they have the two tight end system. They have, you know, that creates all this opportunity and confusion for the defense. And that's when they're most dynamic. Oh, no, absolutely. They, they do need to use the two tight ends more often. You're completely right. I love that. that. That's yeah. And again, it's the same thing. 
when the two Titans are in, it feels like Pratt's always in his like little flow that he works. Yes. Take the two Titans out. Now we're talking a different personnel package. He doesn't look as comfortable. Yep. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. It's like he has faith in them. And I know him and Wallace are very close. You know, they hang out outside of it. They, you know, spend a lot of time together. So I think that's his guy. And I understand that, you know, that Chip Long wants, wants Tyreek James in there because Tyreek James is like the prototypical tight end guy. Um, and he's very good. But I just feel like when you have both of them is when we see them at their best. You know, so it's frustrating for sure. <laughs> it is. And give credit to UAB. They're a good conference. USA yes. School. Same way UTSA is a good conference USA school. It, I just feel that if you're in the American, you should always be the conference USA school, at least the way the way the conferences are currently situated dynamic wise. Now, you know, yeah, Navy might drop a game to a, a Marshall, but that's a little bit of an outlier. But yeah, Tulane, I consider to be a mid-tier AAC school. You shouldn't lose to any yeah. conference USA school, in my opinion. And that wasn't Tulane. So it's like, it sucks. That's not how, that's not indicative of how good or bad they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they just didn't show up in certain areas. The run game was non-existent to a degree. Like, mm-hmm. it just, there's too many things, you know? It's like, you got to regroup for next week. I don't yeah. That's all. And it's the same thing with Tulsa. I mentioned one, three and out of conference play. It's tough to mm-hmm. bounce back from that and make a bowl game. Now Tulane's made three straight bowl games now, which is something that before Willie Fritz, they had never done in their entire mm-hmm. program history is go to three straight bowl games, which is kind of insane thinking about how long they've been around because they are yeah. the older programs in the country. Yeah. And Fritz is great. I love really Fritz. And and usually you see him dial up, uh, dial up some crazy stuff at the end of games like that. So when I was watching, I was like, here we go. We're going to see that really Fritz magic, but he does, you know, he dials up some plays that are just unique and interesting and, and whatever, but I did not see that on that last drive. And that was very frustrating. So, yeah, it definitely was. Um, We'll see how they bounce back next week against yeah. uh, ECU. It's going to be a little bit of a. That's going to be a good game. I'm excited. Like that's. It'll be interesting. It's going to be good. There's going to be a lot of anxiousness involved with that game if you look at it because mm-hmm. it is like, you know. They both need to win. <laughs> they do. If you're trying to make a bowl game, either one of them really needs to win. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be tuning into that one for sure. Uh, our final Definitely. game, though, it was a little USF Bulls after dark. USF <laughs> 27, BYU 35. Uh, USF fell behind 21 nothing, as was again a theme uh, for the conference, which is less surprising than the other 21 <laughs> yeah, Given they're they're playing a ranked team on the road, it made sense, right? Uh, yes. But they did a really really good job, you know, showing resiliency and fighting back and making it a very close game in the end. It was only one score finish. Um, the defense is a pretty big mess still for the Bulls. I don't think there's anything else to say there. Uh, the offense. Showing a little bit of hope, though. Uh, you know, Jeremy yeah. uh, Mangum had two touchdown runs. Uh, Timmy McLean really didn't make any, like, disastrous mistakes that you would associate with him. Oh, my God. Is that praise for McLean? I've never been against McLean. I was, I was just saying they could choose one, and I figured it would be Fordham. That's all. Um, praise for little tiny Tim. He didn't make any terrible mistakes. <laughs> he didn't. He was, he was very like, that's high praise coming from Dan. Okay. No touchdowns, no interceptions, you know, a hundred something yards in the air. Like that's not a great day, but he didn't no. hurt the team. He didn't lose the game for them. That's um, okay. Now, a lot. Of, you yeah. Know, he didn't throw two pick sixes to start the game and put them in that hole himself. You know what I mean? <laughs> Correct. He, you know, he didn't do anything disastrous. That's all. Yes. Think, which we love to see. <laughs> oh, 
USF scored to get to 27 points there in their comeback attempt with like six, seven minutes left. And they kicked an onside at that point. Do you like that decision? I, I'm so torn on onside kicks. Like I know that you have to do that sometimes, but it's so rare that they actually ever, in my opinion, it just, it's such a, for two. I know, and obviously I was going to say that they, but that's only because that kid from UAB tried to squat on the ball and well, literally bounced off of his cup, and then it's like free. And you need luck to get an onside. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, how lucky are you? So if you're feeling lucky, a la Clint Eastwood, then go for it. But, but I mean, you also need a kicker who can do certain yes. things, like either put a ton of spin on the ball or get a right. really good bounce where it kind of becomes right. a free for all. You want a football is a really stupidly shaped ball. It is. And when it bounces off the ground, it it takes funny hops. So really what you're trying with onside kick is to get a funny hop that happens to go your way. You know, I feel like you just mansplained. You just mansplained football to me. I didn't didn't mean to do that. No, to our listeners, really not to me, because I obviously already knew. Sorry that Dan just mansplained onside kicking me, you guys. No, but like my point is, it's like a complete kind of crapshoot. <laughs> you're just hoping with it. I, yes. So, like, for me, that's too much. Like, you're giving too much over to the game in an onside kick. I don't like the loss of control, the factors that you you have to vary that vary in there and that you have to deal with. So, I don't personally like it, but it does make for very fun watching when it goes the right way for a team. So, absolutely. I, I think for the decision itself, I don't hate it. Yeah, I'm not mad yeah. at it. You have to stop uh, BYU either way, whether right. from about the 50-yard line or from like right. the 50-yard line, you have to stop them either way. So I'll say I don't hate the decision. I just – you don't usually see it happen that early in the fourth quarter. That's all. Yeah, it's one way to try and get yourself an advantage. And, you know, it's like the game I was at. I was at Maryland and they were playing Kent State. Kent State actually ran a fake field goal, which I am always praying for, but never get to see. And it was like in the second quarter, like maybe the first. (laughs) And it was great. The last time I saw a properly fake field goal was like the 2011 Notre Dame-Michigan State game. I think it was 2011. And, uh, Michigan State faked a field goal in overtime to win it by three instead of trying to tie it up. Uh, yeah. The, their half of the overtime. And apparently Mark D'Antonio, the Michigan State coach at the time, didn't know yeah. they called a fake field goal. They did that on their own. And he almost had a heart attack. When they, That's hilarious. From a Notre Dame's fans' perspective, there was brutal offensive pass interference. They tackled the guy who was supposed to be covering the guy who scored a touchdown. And that's what happens in most of those plays because they're so unexpected. Like, that, you see a lot of them. Where they're supposed to. Right. And they get called back for penalties all the time. And that's what happened in the Kent State-Maryland game. The kicker, um, Adam Glass, it was incredible. He's a freshman kicker, first of all, and he runs this play and he actually runs the ball into the end zone and scores a touchdown, but it gets called back for holding, you know? So, yeah, no, it's, it happens. It, it is does. What it is. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason you don't see more of it's probably just because you go, well, if we're going to need to go two yards here, when I rather my quarterback and running back be the ones handling the ball rather than, than my the older. kicker. Yeah. My <laughs> no. older and kicker. yeah. I mean, you see more fake punts than fake field goals. I yes, you do. But I will say this one was executed almost to perfection. And penalty aside, it would have been phenomenal. And like you're saying, like it's an odd time to do it. It was at a weird time early in the game. And, and if it had worked, it would have changed the momentum of the game. And I think that's what you 
I think yeah. that's the only time you can do it though. Like thinking about like, you can, if you do it at a time when someone's expecting you to maybe go for it, then they're looking for it. You got to do it when they're not expecting it. Otherwise- I, mean, I understand that, but first quarter, I feel like, I think it was first quarter um, is just a little weird. Like I guess second or third, maybe, obviously not fourth, unless you're feeling just frisky, but um, it just to speak to USF doing that. But I was actually very impressed with, with how they held their own with BYU. Now, granted, I think they, BYU had players out, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, in the game. Like they weren't at full capacity or full they're strength. Still, so they're still a much better team than they should have beaten. Of course. You know, they, it seemed a little bit to me like they got up to a 21 nothing lead and kind of had that lead. And they kind of, yeah, they called off. They, I think they checked out. Which, yeah. like, again, USF could have checked out too and they didn't, which is a credit to them. Yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, knock them in any way. No, I know. Or by saying BYU checked out a little bit, just that, uh, you know, I, I don't think they're actually that close to BYU in terms of who they are in the field, but they went out there and were that way. And that deserves credit for not giving up, deserves credit for being better on offense than they had any right to be. You know what I mean? Coming into yeah. the game. So we'll see when they get into conference play, what they look at against what's supposed to be equal competition. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, SMU is going to be tough next week, but, you know, you get to play Temple, you get to play Navy, you get to play ECU, uh, you know, Tulane. I actually don't know who their, like, teams they're missing this year are, but when they play, like, a Tulsa or a Houston-type team, that'll be those interesting games to see how they compare to what we think of as the middle of the conference. Yeah. You know, uh, because, you know, NC State and, you know, Florida, they're both good teams. There's not a ton of shame in those losses. BYU's a good team. There's not a lot of shame in that loss. So we'll see how it works out. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's all of our games for the past week. Uh, do we know how we did in our picks? Do we want to do Yes. That? I was four and four, and you were six and two. So if I was six and two, mm-hmm. that makes me 31 and nine on the year, and you were four and four? Yes. That puts you at 23 and 17. All, all right. right. Yeah. And the, we are getting to a lot more conference play next week. I'm yes. excited for that. Plus, a big one is going to be Cincinnati at Notre Dame. Uh, that one will be exciting. We'll talk about more at the previews, but I think Cincinnati's got a really good shot at winning. If you go and scoreboard, look at the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game, you go, oh, 41 to 13, they must be great. That Notre Dame team is not that good. They had four yards rushing against Wisconsin. They just had kick returns and pick sixes late in the game that blew it open a little bit wider than it should have been. Um, but again, we'll talk about all that more on I don't know. Whenever On the preview we, podcast. Whenever we record. I was going to say Tuesday, yes. but I don't know that that's... Probably. Doing. We'll try and get it done tomorrow so we get it up for everybody. That's exactly. always the goal. You want it up quicker rather than later, but yes. I don't want to promise anything. <laughs> I make no that's the only way we get held accountable, right? Exactly. If I make promises, <laughs> then I have to follow up. Uh, yes. No. <laughs> All right. I think that's everything for us. Uh, you can find me at yeah. Morrison 96 you can find me at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. All right. And we are off. 